welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Urmi Basu. Urmi is an award-winning gender equality activist and TEDx speaker. Born and raised in a family of medical professionals in Kolkata, India, Urmi received her primary and secondary education in the city. On completion of her first degree in sociology, she moved to take her master's in social work at the prestigious Tata Institute of Social Sciences, Mumbai. After 15 years of professional work, Urmi founded New Light in Kolkata in 2000 to promote gender equality and fight violence and abuse of women, girls, and young people. The organization also works to fight against child prostitution and trafficking for the purpose of sex trade, child labor, and bonded labor. Urmi has been a part of targeted intervention programs for victims of HIV-AIDS, transsexual, and transgender people. In 2019, Urmi received the prestigious Nari Shakti Puraskar Award from His Excellency the President of India through the Ministry of Women and Child Development, Government of India, in recognition of New Light Kolkata's contribution to women's empowerment on the occasion of International Women's Day. She lives in Kolkata, India, and fights for social justice for the marginalized community every day of her life. Hi, Urmi. Welcome to Revolutionary Women. How are you? Hi, Tess. Great hearing from you. Uh, I'm fine, thank you. Oh my goodness. And it's an honor to be on this uh, this podcast with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I, you know, I, I, I've been such a big fan of yours, and I've been so honored that you came on. You decided to come on my show. So, for those who don't know anything about you, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I am from Kolkata, mm-hmm. India. Uh, I was born and raised in this city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from a family of medical professionals. My father was a doctor and my mom, um, medical administrator. Mm-hmm. And uh, they both, both of them were activists more than being medical professionals. Uh, they were totally committed to uh, the cause of, you know, women, children in very difficult circumstances. And also... They always stood up for um, justice for all all the people that they worked with. That's amazing. So you, I, I read that you decided to go because of the community service from your family being so committed to community service. You decided to get into social work, um, and were you always attracted to community service because of your parents? Um, it was, uh, you know, my direct experience, of course, was from my parents. But prior to that, uh, my grandfather uh, was a Gandhian, and uh, he was uh, a British military officer who re- resigned from his commission to be a freedom fighter to j- join Mahatma Gandhi in the movement. Oh, wow. And it is kind of a, you know, family uh legacy that that was given to me kind of handed down um it is it was expected that some of us or maybe one person from the family would take on that work mm-hmm. it would have been surprising if none of us did and i'm glad that i happened to be the one 
So it's a kind of intergenerational influence from, you know, wow. like family elders and my parents and then myself. Mm-hmm. Um, just, really... you know, deciding to do this work. Thank you. That's really amazing. I mean, wow, to be involved at that time with Mahatma Gandhi's, you know, oh, right. geez, that's wild. Um, I, I think that's really awesome. Um, so I discovered your work initially um, with New Light through the documentary by Nick Kristoff and Cheryl Wudan called Half the Sky. How did you, right. how, how did you come about being a part of that documentary? Uh, actually, um, I think almost three years prior to uh, the documentary going into production, uh, Christoph uh, was writing the book mm-hmm. by the same name, Half This Guy. Right. And while he was researching uh, for the book, uh, he got in touch with me as he had visited New Light in 2005. Oh. He was on his way back from uh, from Southeast Asia, where he had freed three girls from uh, from a brothel, oh, all wow. underage girls. So he he was passing through India, uh-huh. and he wanted to get the India side of the story of trafficking and and you know child prostitution. And wow. he happened to be in Kolkata. A friend of mine. Um, told me that there is this New York Times journalist who would like to come and visit. And that time, New Light was just a fledgling organization, you know. Mm. We had almost nothing. Wow. But I think what Christoph felt on or saw on visiting New Light as we were trying to create hope mm-hmm. and just... Uh, working on protect, keeping the children protected and trying to give the women a voice to talk about their, to tell their stories. Right. I yeah. think that's how the whole journey began. And wow. once he finished writing Half the Sky, then it went on to production. And okay. uh, uh, we, I mean, New Light found it, its presence in the documentary and it's been a huge honor to have been featured for almost... Um, I think 50 minutes mm-hmm. of that one-hour documentary. Mm-hmm. Was... Everything that you see in the documentary, everything was shot as it happened. And wow. that's the level of authenticity people have, uh, you know, sensed when they watched it. It was powerful. When I first saw it, it was just like, it brought, it really made me aware that I didn't know half of what was going on in the world. And I was just blown away, especially with your work. And I've been like a follower of yours since then. Um, Thank you, Tess. Thank oh my you. gosh! Yeah, you're you're just a force of of that to be reckoned with, and I love that. So okay, so you spoke at a TED talk five years ago, and you mentioned before about your grandfather. Um, and in that same talk, you you spoke about losing fear at the age of nine. Can you tell me the story behind that? Um, that story is from 1971. Okay. I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. That was also the time when um, this part of the world, especially, you know, the eastern part of India, mm-hmm. <clears throat> was going through a 
massive political uh, unrest and a movement called uh, the Maoist movement or Naxalite movement emerged when an extreme uh, leftist groups started to challenge the existing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, the system and uh, began basically uh, questioning the whole parliamentary system, um, which created a lot of unrest among the young people. So, and of course, in such a, a situation of uh, general civil unrest, you find that there's a uh, there's murder, there's arson, there's killings, and all kinds of things mm -hmm. go on. So one afternoon, my father was in the clinic, and um, an attendant came and told him that a young boy was being taken away, and and she was certain that he would be killed. So my dad told his patients that uh, he needed to shut the clinic, and he ran out after that boy, and he... Yeah, literally chased that group of the and then the other group who had ever, was kind of abducting him. Oh my goodness! Chased them down. Uh, my mom, you know, ran after him in within minutes, literally, and he saved the boy. But then the group, the, that mob, uh, turned at him, and our house was burnt down. My father was stabbed in three places of oh his body, gosh. and. Uh, we lost everything, you know, in within within a couple of hours, you know, wow. that memory. And uh, it is for hours we didn't, we meaning myself, nine years of nine years age, my younger brother, five, and my elder brother, who was 15 at that time. Uh -huh. uh, for a number of hours, we thought that both our parents were dead. Oh and gosh. we were being taken care of by people who worked in our house and some uh, elders from 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 a neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, finally, when first my father appeared, and then later on my mom came because at that time she was literally going uh, from door to door requesting people to come and help us mm -hmm. uh, to let her use a telephone because telephone those days was far and you know, few and far between. So you couldn't, not every house had a telephone. Mm -hmm. So yeah. all the doors were shut on her face. Oh my gosh. So finally, of course, they both survived. L luckily, my dad did, despite huge amount of blood, you know, flowing out of his body. He was very physically, very fit man. Mm -hmm. Did yoga. He was uh, kind of a, you know, you can, Think about that was 1971, those many years ago. Almost like a fitness maniac and mm -hmm. very active individual. Wow. So within, uh, I think we were housed in uh, somebody else's uh, place for more than five weeks. And during that time, um, you know, some members of the political party came and told my father to move out of there. Wow. And he said, no, this is where I, this is where I heal people. This is where I'm raising my family. Mm -hmm. And this is where my home is. I'm not leaving from here. I'm not going away anywhere because I haven't done anything wrong. And, and I'm not afraid. Mm -hmm. So I think that experience, having seen, you know, death so, so closely, like 
yeah, right in front of your eyes, your your parents could be attacked, and mm. and uh, you could go through five hours, six hours of the day thinking that both your parents are gone. Wow. And being recovered from there, um, it that was the day I always look back at my life and say yes. The fact that I've been able to do all of these things later on is because I had that experience at mm. age nine. That's the day I lost my fear. Fear of anything, literally. Like, <laughs> Wow. So, well, thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. Oh, geez. It's, what a... Wow. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Well, what an, um, I guess, horrendous experience, but at the same time, it really... You know, at nine years old, it made you realize that you know, if this could happen, and I'm and my and I survive it, that's yes. it. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I know and survive anything. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. if I'm if I'm meant to survive, that mm -hmm. is that is the uh, that's the most crucial thing. Right. That if my life is to continue mm -hmm. on this planet, right, in this body, it will. Yeah. And if it is not meant to, mm -hmm. it will not. It might sound. Uh, fatalistic mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. that's the truth and uh, wow. our I think my spiritual quest is always to do what I need to do now mm -hmm. and to do it with my fullest attention wow. and to give the best I can to anything that I do mm -hmm. uh, rest we have no control over things we have no control over anything Tess and mm -hmm. I think this experience of COVID-19 has brought that fact home to millions of uh, people around the world. For sure, yeah. Yeah, how oh. fragile our lives are and how, how, oh, you know, temporal whole this, this entire thing is. It's so, you're right, you're so right. Um, okay, so to go back, you founded New Light Kolkata in 2000. Is that correct? 2000. That's right. And yeah, then you said it, it. And then you said it started as an aspiration. What did you mean by that? Um, actually, when I went to that area, mm -hmm. um, even though I was born and raised in that city, I had no no clue about the existence of that underbelly of my beloved city. Mm. So it, it was definitely a huge shock to see people living in that kind of subhuman condition, you know. Yeah. Children running around having no no proper clothes, not having a room to sleep in, small kids sleeping under the beds where the mothers are taking on their clients, and the ill health and the lack of uh, just the basic standards of... Um, uh, you know, uh, safety, of course, mm -hmm. but also sanitation. Like, it was appallingly unhealthy. Wow. So, I go in there, and I was a young mom at that time. I think my son was 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And I started to wonder, I said, these women raising their kids, they must be they must be wanting to have something better than this for their children. Right. So I came there bringing my feelings as a mom mm -hmm. that 
women all over the world, by and large, they would go and do anything to give their kids a better life. So instead of talking to them about how they could exit from prostitution, I thought, why not think about what would give their kids a better life? Mm. What might they need? And I, I talked about, yeah, do you think you would bring your child to, uh, uh, to a crash, an evening care shelter, if something like that was available? Mm-hmm. And they said, yes. So wow. that's why I say it was an aspirational project. It was like to help. I was, uh, I was just aspiring to do something mm-hmm. I had no clue about. Wow. That was from my side. Right. And aspirational because it began with talking to the women about what they could actually aspire for. That's really amazing because, you know, organizations are set up to help, you know, those in need. But for you, it was more like, I guess, a purpose or or something that really um, affected you enough to say, okay, I have to do something. It may not, I don't, I may not know what I'm doing, but I have to do something. Exactly. I didn't have a blueprint of setting up an organization. Mm. I did not consult with any statisticians. I didn't look for data. I didn't, you know, go and talk to development experts and asking them to say, okay, uh, where do I see this organization five years from now? Tell Mm. us about that. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I had none of that. I said, well, I need to take... I need to do something, mm-hmm. anything. Right. And I kept on thinking about it. I kept on going back to that community, talking to the mothers and just finding out. But I could find things out from them only after they began to have enough trust in me. I was an outsider. Right. I mean, am I going to repair my whole life story to somebody that, that was just walked in through my front door? Mm. No. We do it with people that we trust. And people we feel close to. Mm-hmm. You're right. So there must have been something in the way, either in the way I spoke or the 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 ideas that I spoke about, which kind of gave them enough confidence to uh, trust me. And and how did you proceed then from there? I mean, knowing that you really didn't have any. Backwards, or <laughs> that, I mean... that was again <laughs> me, me and my life of being reckless and always on a free fall. <laughs> I began to harangue all my friends and family for, uh, for some very selective people for small sums of money and mm. large number of people for donating non financial, you know, giving non financial assistance. Like, I began to tell people if you're changing your curtains, please give me the old ones. If you're change, throwing out your old sheets, please give oh, me wow. we'll wash and use. Please give me your kids' old shoes, old books, old toys, old clothes. It was like it's it's a project that began with recycling other people's thrown out stuff. Got it. Wow. And and people always have, you know, I mean, not everyone. Things that yeah, yeah. The, the people always have things to give away, and and why not? Yeah. Others can use it. You know, that's the whole point of not so much recycling, but giving back and be and and giving forward. And I'm wondering, sitting here, and like, how was she able to like get all of this done in the beginning? Because, of course, since the documentary, it's blown up, and you know. But starting from where you were, 
you know, were you, I mean, were you at all, um, were you at all afraid that it wouldn't go the way you wanted it to go? Or did you no, say, No, I did okay. not. No, I did not because I had zero expectation. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Everything that was happening was something was happening, you know. Right. I didn't right. expect it to be a successful project. I didn't put any numbers down that by this, by the end of this year, I have to have uh, two hundred, mm. you know, kids enrolled, or I have to do this, mm-hmm. or I have to, you know, kind of raise this much of money. No, mm-hmm. everything that was happening, one step at a time, one day at a time, you know, mm-hmm. like putting one foot in front of the other and then walking along. And that's why I absolutely believe in the fact that the path appears. Mm. It, if you start walking, there will be a place to put your next foot down. Wow. Always. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And incidentally, I must share a very uh, happy anecdote with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about you, please give away all your old things. Just yesterday, somebody called up and said that there was a laptop which their child had won in an essay competition, uh-huh. but the child is now going overseas to study or has already left, and the laptop is still sitting in a packed box, and they would like to give it to a student in Neolite. And oh, we have yeah. a student who is 16 years old who is an orphan. He's uh-huh. been raised here at the project. And who could be better than him to to receive and use that laptop that's wild that's awesome that's really really beautiful yeah you things know? things happen like that Tess. it's yeah. i yeah. mean most things are yeah. uh, happen by coincidence mm. or i mean i don't know so much about coincidence but i think once you put it out there you know then people it their people are receptive you know then they can say oh yeah you know we we have these things that you know your students can use or you know and <laughs> and i i would think or i would like to think that people you know given those circumstances would say well you know what am i going to do with this laptop if it's just going to sit here so i might as well <laughs> give it to someone who can use it who you can know? use it yes and that's that's and really people great. are by large mm-hmm. Uh, kind and generous that has been my belief because you know you will you I'm sure you have experienced it when you when you go to somebody with uh, with kindness and generosity in your heart. It doesn't even have to be demonstrated, just with that goodwill, mm-hmm. and you you receive, you know, yeah. hundred times of that back. Wow, That's... it's like you know keeping the wheel turning, and with every turn, it it gathers more. Uh, more force and like the wheel becomes stronger mm-hmm. and the, it becomes more layered and and the like if we visualize a tire mm-hmm. it gets fatter and fatter and fatter and it keeps on its path wow so would you consider yourself having an aha moment once you were in the red light district and then you said oh geez i think i think i need to do something here was that an aha moment for you? Or was it just like, well, no, I have, what What are these women going through and I have to do something? Yeah, when it comes to <clears throat> starting it, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I was extremely restless and I just couldn't 
wait to do something. Mm. It was a sense of restlessness and it was a sense of being so present to the fact that I am the privileged one. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was it was time to give back. I had trained as a social worker. Mm-hmm. I had the skills. I had the education. I had the background and I could call upon my uh, supervisors, my teachers. I could call upon my classmates to get something going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a big moment. But uh, along the way, I think uh, when it comes to saying, yes, this is my aha moment, mm-hmm. I would say when I stood in front of His Holiness the Dalai Lama and he blessed me as an unsung hero of compassion. I mean, what can anybody yeah. want? What can anybody aspire yeah. for beyond that? Right. Oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. Wow. Um, and is there anyone you would credit for for where you are now? Um, I mean, with everything that you've gone through? Uh, of course, there are many people who have helped me in this on this journey. Many, many, many people, really countless number of people have come together to support. But <clears throat> I'm... I certainly have to credit my parents Mm -hmm. for setting me up at the starting block, uh, for teaching me the value of giving back to society and to to just look around and be aware of how fortunate and privileged we are. Mm -hmm. My father, I lost my father when I was very young, but my Mm -hmm. mom lived a full life and she was my icon. She was my guide and, and everything that I've done in my life uh, she was my f- best cheerleader, always there for me. Yes, you're taking the right decision. Go ahead, do it. Mm. And uh, then I found my spirit mom mm-hmm. uh, who lives in Palo Alto, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is also a, a social worker by training, many mm. years older, now is a very, very senior citizen. And uh, she's always been there for me. Her name is Jyotika Stengel. She has always been there for me, guiding me, um, teaching me, and, uh, you know, um, pepping me up when, mm. of course, there are moments when I feel also feel down and, and low on energy. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So these are the people. And then I, I was born and raised in Kolkata. And how can we say... Anybody from that city cannot escape the huge, huge presence of the um, of Mother Teresa's energy. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. So that's, I mean, uh, looking back, uh, you know, of, of, at these last twenty years, oh, which of course seems like a like a blink mm-hmm. of an eye. Wow, uh, I see so many, so many people whose presence, whose guidance and wisdom Mm. have made it possible for me to stay on this path. Well, um, so a year ago, um, first of all, congratulations, 20 years. That's a milestone. Thank you. It's amazing. (laughs) It is. Oh, had it not been for... Thank you, Tess. Had it not been COVID for COVID nineteen, we were planning a big three day event to commemorate oh. this twentieth year. 
Oh my I god. I had big plans. But oh, then wow. yeah, it's we had to kind of reset. Right. Right. But you could do it next year. <laughs> you could do it. Yeah, know, reset everything. As soon as the world is healthy and, yeah. and strong enough. Yeah, for sure. You know, back on back on track. Oh we'll my do gosh. that. And if you can do a virtual, I would like to attend. <laughs> That yes, would be amazing. you already have the invitation, and you have to come. Oh yes. my gosh, that's amazing! I I am like so blown away. Twenty years for you, what an accomplishment! And it's a, and it must feel like from when from where you started to where you are now. You know, it must feel like I was on the right path the whole time. <laughs> you know, it's like, yep, this is what I wanted to. I wanted to make sure that people were being taken care of, especially women. And you have provided that and keep providing it, which is so beautiful, you know. Um, yeah, that's all, you know, that that's exactly, you've just worded it so beautifully that my intention was just to provide them with something that, mm. that was better and bigger than what they already had. And I think over these years, we've just been able to add a little bit here, a little more there. Mm. And that's how I've been a, you know, new light yeah. has existed. Oh my gosh, I, it's I think it's it's so powerful, and you are such, you know, I think for these women especially, <laughs> you are such a mentor to them, and and I'm really blown away by what you've created and and still maintain, you know, to this day, which is wonderful. But um, I want to go into so a year ago a TED talk in Kolkata, you spoke about having to convince mothers the importance of vaccines. Can you share more about that story, especially now in this, you know, in this day and age with the pandemic and the, you know, the, um, the, the new things about having the vaccines being distributed currently. Um, but you spoke about having to convince mothers the importance of vaccines. Was there even, I, I mean, were you getting some pushback about that from, from, mothers or was it just because of yes this was in the early years you Uh know because i come from a family of medical professionals so and very very i had an extremely scientific upbringing and believing in modern medicine Mm -hmm. and believing in the power of uh, you know medicine to heal people to transform things Mm -hmm. so soon after we started the the program a, uh, a small clinic was set up with the help of two of my nurse volunteers from Spain mm-hmm. and uh, we just took stock of all the kids the uh, primary vaccine vaccination that they had received and we found huge gaps in that wow. so uh, began with primary vaccination then uh, actively engaged with the uh, national polio vaccine drive and then moved it on to hepatitis B and C and then another step forward with uh, MMR vaccine, measles, mumps and rubella Mm -hmm. and then typhoid. And in the early stages, the women were not really, um, not very keen because of uh, superstition Mm. and because of things that uh, are culturally embedded that when you have jaundice you usually take it take the child to a quack and that quack like or more than a quack would be a Mm. religious guy uh, or some kind of a shaman who's not is a Mm -hmm. fake shaman totally Mm -hmm. i do know there are medicine men who uh, who carry ancient wisdom and 
they are immensely powerful. But these are these are people who are yeah, they're imposters, just mm. you know, posing around as as healers. Oh, wow. Take the child to them, and then he would uh, put a put a garland on the child and and tell you that oh you can't feed the child this you can't feed the child that and the child has uh, been fallen under the spell of somebody all kinds of superstitions i had to fight against those and keep on telling them no this is not true well you want to do these kind of things continue doing it but at the same time let the child have uh you know medical intervention mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of treatment Wow. So now I think it would be way easier for us at least to administer uh, the COVID-19 vaccine once right. it's made available because the community is ready and yeah. they're waiting for it. Right. And right. I would be there. I would be the first one to take it because mm -hmm. they are definitely worried about side effects. Mm -hmm. And and we are already uh, talking to the people in our community that well, virus is a living organism. When it comes to your body, everybody reacts differently. So we have to be prepared for that. Right. But this is the only way we can fight. Yeah. You know this vac uh, this virus, and sixty percent of the population getting vaccinated. Uh -huh. Yes, the virus will will be automatically weakened, and right. it will eventually die its natural death. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is Kolkata still under lockdown? Um, are you... No, we are no. not. Okay. Uh, we are not under lockdown. Uh, people are out still practicing social distancing and wearing the mask. Uh, wearing the ma a mask is compulsory. Mm -hmm. and all shops and establishments are following that. That's great. Um, workplaces okay. open with uh, reduced workforce. Uh -huh. And... Um, uh, so some some of the practices are being followed, protocol practices being followed pretty stringently. That's great. Okay, that's that's really good to know. Um, so, okay, one other thing. Back in May, um, I saw that you went to after the um, after Amfan the Amfan cyclone yes, in West Bengal. Yeah, you right. went to distribute supplies to the victims of that um, of that disaster did you yes, have did you right. have enough resources and donations to give to those affected by the cyclone or and how were we, you able we to... did okay good. we did you know you'd be you'd be happy to know that since uh, covid19 uh in a lockdown went into place on the 24th of march mm -hmm. uh last year and mm -hmm. um, almost till the beginning of 2021, mm -hmm. a new light has uh, distributed one million meals. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that that really is. Even I can't believe. I didn't know how many till we actually sat down and started to do the head count, the meal count. Oh wow! That's so we great. got. Uh, we got supplies uh, donated by people after Amphan happened. Mm -hmm. And even during, right from the time COVID-19, the lockdown was put in place. And when I uh, made an appeal saying that the women are out of job, they have no money, nothing to buy food with, mm -hmm. no place to, no, uh, you know, outlets to buy food from. Mm -hmm. So many, many, many people started to, uh, you know, donate, like people contributed uh, funds online and uh, we identified 
supply points. Uh, money was transferred electronically. They would keep people to do the packaging. And our student volunteers would go literally door-to-door distributing, oh, uh, wow. distributing the rations. Great. That's really awesome. It's been an unbelievable experience, Tess. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about this kind of relief work, though I've had prior relief experience, but nothing at this scale and nothing for so long. But mm. I'm I'm just so grateful that we uh, we had the opportunity. You know, in 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 the East, uh, we always say, you if you if you're able to do something mm-hmm. there's a larger design that you would be at a place to be able to do it wow. and it, it only only you know feeling that i can talk about is a, isn't you know overwhelming sense of gratitude mm. that new light was there to do it and i was there i was given the responsibility to lead it and and you keep doing it, you know, you're still doing it. And it's wonderful, even with the pandemic going on. And while it has sort of eased down a little bit, you're still out there. And and I think it's beautiful that you're... Yeah, you know, we, are, we are having to continue doing that. Yeah. Um, and so when you're not speaking in front of people about New Light or helping people out who've been affected by natural disasters or even, you know, helping out other women who are in dire straits. What does Urmi like to do? Oh, Urmi likes to garden. Urmi <laughs> likes to cook. That's great. Hang out with friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, I, I like to cook for my friends and... That's yeah, wonderful. gardening is a great passion. I love to garden, Tess. I'm, mm. I mean, I, I anywhere I see a little patch of uh, earth uh-huh. or any uh-huh. any you know sidewalk, I said, "Oh, this sidewalk can have these many plants." <laughs> <laughs> that's Again? all the more reason. Right. I'm sorry, sorry. That's Go. all the more reason why Amphan impacted me so much because uh, Calcutta city lost more than five thousand trees. Oh, and these are all huge trees. It's a pity that the Western media did not report enough about it. The wind gust was more than 230 uh, 30 kilometers. Oh, my gosh. And we had not seen anything like that. Wow. Luckily, loss of life was, uh, um, you know, kind of kept to a bare minimum because mm-hmm. there was massive evacuation done. Mm-hmm. But the destruction I saw, and in the villages, it was unbelievable. Mm. The rural South Bengal was completely, like, destroyed by Amphan. It was a super cyclone. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I had only heard about it, of course, over here, but it wasn't until I saw what you did that I see, like, how people were affected on YouTube. You know, when I saw that YouTube video of you going to the rural areas and distributing, you know, the donations. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, it's like, I didn't know the extent of the damage until I yes, saw that. Yes, it was a huge, huge damage. And has it gotten better? I mean, how how are they now? Yeah, it, things are limping back to, uh, I can't say full normalcy, but uh, 
a lot of it uh, because uh, why not full normalcy is because many people lost their jobs mm. and a large number of people who were working as migrant laborers elsewhere were already back in the villages due to covid and uh, uh, the the fields agricultural fields had got completely salinated because you know the ocean water when when the cyclone picked up the rain was salty mm. so it it ruined all the you know sweet water ponds and lakes uh, so the subsequent planting season was hugely impacted mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. why i cannot say it's a, we have to go through one full years you know cycle of seasons for uh, for nature to correct itself mm-hmm. to the best of its ability and the rest oh, we have to take charge as human beings you know yeah. like fixing my own little patch of uh, vegetable garden or making sure that my animals the the cattle and and the chicks and the ducks are uh, you know fed properly mm. and to look at alternative methods of uh, doing um, you know harvesting of the grain mm-hmm. or growing things in the fields mm-hmm. wow and continue you know, keep keep going yes, through that. Just keep going. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I read a quote and I believe you said this. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you I there's a quote that says, New light means new hope, new possibilities, new endeavor, and new lives. Were did you say that because of what you have accomplished through the years of, of of creating new light and is it also part of what you see for the future for them? Yes, of course. Whatever we have been, new light has been able to do. Um, you know, creating hope for people mm-hmm. began by teaching people how to hope for a different life for the children of women who are in prostitution and who are totally completely stigmatized and excluded mm-hmm. and uh, they live in a in a fringe you know mm-hmm. uh, fringe community so to uh, to help them uh, hope to have a better life and how can they hope when they see examples of things happening you know a child who's five years old and then he's 15 years old and then he's 25 years old growing up and holding a job down and you know um, going into mainstream society that's like creating hope when you when one sees an example like that other mothers feel this mm. begin to hope and aspire that yes, my child can do it too, right. because no developmental work can happen um, unilaterally. Yeah. Uh, as activists or as external agents, we can do nothing unless the community is engaged in it, mm-hmm. and the community has to be an active stakeholder in the process of their development. Wow, that's really that's really beautiful, and I, I mean, from what you've created, you have given. So many, you know, besides new hopes and new possibilities, you've given them a new life, basically, to like start from fresh and continue and hopefully inspire others to do the same, you know, and I and that is really an amazing, amazing way to just continue with the legacy of of new light, I believe. Thank you, Des. It's uh, yeah. 
something that began with absolutely no structure mm. <laughs> it i'm amazed that it still persists and it grows <laughs> bit by bit every day well, you know because from the seeds like you know in a garden you sowed those seeds you know for you you started by planting those seeds in people and and and, and giving them hope and from that hope stemmed possibilities and and yes, how beautiful so. is that you know for any person to think that they have no hope whatsoever especially if they live in in conditions that sort of uh. you know like make them feel like why bother you know then uh, this woman uh, comes uh. along and say no 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 you do have you know you do have possibilities you do just believe in and i if i can help you believe in yourself and help you in 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 some way then you do have a future you know and there's and and in nowadays it is so needed you know with people during the pandemic and with people feeling like uh. they have nothing you know that can make them happy at the moment because they feel so alone or, or isolated isolated yes. but then there is light at the end of the tunnel you know and and but people sometimes forget that or they don't have uh, people not enough strength to exactly. even even get past the next day exactly you know dur- during the pandemic the f- the first few few weeks oh i saw that community go into such deep depression it was like mass depression i would just watch the women sit mm. in corners huddled together not moving not talking because they didn't know they didn't see any end and nobody was explaining to them that yes the world is fighting back right and we will emerge winners you know yeah. on the other side of this crisis right that is very important and and uh, i think that uh, that was expected of all our world leaders instead of just talking about how intense that uh, that difficulty was or that crisis was they needed to also talk about that we are all of us are in it together mm-hmm. and we will you know fight it out and mm-hmm. we will we will see that of course there will be losses of life and mm-hmm. livelihood and all of that mm-hmm. but the world as a whole has to fight against this virus and and win. Yeah. yeah. We will win. Right. So right. that's why today we have the vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a just one single more instance where a vaccine of this nature has been put through the tests and all the protocols and being administered and at at such a short span of time mm-hmm. simply because everybody worked on it together. Right. Exactly. Wow, and it's, it's you put it so plainly, and and it's it really is. You know, it it's not it it's easy to fall back into. It's easy to be hopeless. Yes, it's right. It's easy to be hopeless, and when people have nothing, they would be hopeless. Yes, but for us who are you know who we are still so much better mm-hmm. off than so many other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's so always, it's that we yeah. need to translate that into action and yes, action is is, is is so necessary. Words are great, but actions make a difference. Action. Uh-huh. Actions, with, words with action, make it make a difference for sure. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. So, where do you see yourself in the future? Like, do you have personal goals? <laughs> and in addition to new light, <laughs> in addition to new light, in, 
um, I I don't really uh, see my life uh, independent of new light, mm. and that's not. Some people tell me it's not good, uh, but I don't know any any better, hmm. or I don't know any other way to be, mm-hmm. uh, because I've never looked at this. I looked at it as my as my work or my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a personal mission mm-hmm. and you take on a mission to live with it and to die with it. Mm. So this, this work and this mission will remain with me till my last day. No. Uh, but at the same time, um, I think it, it, I'd make a gradual transition and get the second line of uh, uh, leadership uh, to take uh, more, I mean, greater charge and then um, ease myself off Mm -hmm. from being actively involved every day. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, I am 58 years old. And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, there's got to be, there is the standard retirement age. Uh, I know I'd remain involved, but Mm -hmm. not really uh, hands-on like every day I do now. Mm-hmm. And then um, other personal goals. Yes, I I I do want to live uh, like a, like a monk for some time. Really? Oh. Yes. And what does that mean to you? Like to um, go somewhere on your own, or to? I mean, I guess I'm just not sure what you mean by that. <laughs> you know, it would probably have been, uh, it could have begun from March of 2021, but because of the COVID, the situation is not such, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to be a monk in practice. Uh, wow. And to step away from New Light for a while or for... Yes, okay. definitely for some time. And, okay. Like being on a retreat, something okay. like that. Okay, like being on a sabbatical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That would be amazing. And, you know, I would love to speak with you about that at another time and, and how that sure. experience, you know. Yes, absolutely. Uh, affects you or affected you. Okay, so and how about for New Light? What would you like for New Light in the future? See, in a, a in an ideal world, uh, organizations <laughs> uh-huh. like New Light should stop existing because that would be the evidence of, mm. um, or you know, us having won the fight against uh, uh, sexual exploitation and abuse. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's in an ideal world, right? And we know, we all know how far fetched that idea is. Mm. Uh, but uh, I would love for the the model that we have created at Neolight uh, to be replicated. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, heard this from many people who've worked with us uh, on various projects that they could probably, you know, this is a model which is looks like it's a workable model uh, to be located inside the red light district, to have an access open 24-7 for the children and the women mm-hmm. and to have and to educate people 
uh, and involve people from within the community, engage young adults from the community in the in the running of the project uh, on a daily basis, and, mm-hmm. and and to create leadership from within. Yeah. So that's yeah, wonderful. Th- those are the those are the principles. I mean, uh, those are the tools which which can be used mm-hmm. and can be applied elsewhere. So even if we could have maybe five or six similar setups, not by the name of New Light, but uh-huh. other organizations doing similar stuff and doing a bit of hand-holding and sharing the model. Right. Wow, that, that would be amazing. Huh. And what yeah, can, that's, what... that's something I would like to like to see happen. Okay, and if people wanted to get involved, how would they do so? If they want, they wanted to get involved with New Light, what can they do? Um, yeah, we we have we've always had a very good, very robust volunteering program, and then there's internship opportunities that are opened at New Light mm-hmm. for um, all all kinds of students, uh, whether they are students of uh, law or or nursing or mm-hmm. you know. Um, social work, uh, anthropologists, and uh, people coming to study, um, you know, cultural anthropology mm-hmm. on different subjects, fine arts, uh, theater, or um, uh, what you say, even even medicine, you know, public health. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we we receive students as interns. Uh, with all this, this kind of, uh, you know, very diverse background. And uh, we welcome people with their, of course, with their financial donation, because ultimately we have to buy the food and we have to pay for the school fees for the kids and we have to buy medicine and, and uh, other supplies for the, for the women and the, and the kids. Mm-hmm. So money is definitely important. And all the people who work at New Light, uh, paying their salaries so that they can feed and support their families is also extremely important. Right. And then we would love to welcome, uh, you know, people who make documentaries, people who make films, Mm. uh, blog writers, or, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. we need all kinds of volunteers and and workforce. Well, okay. Well, hopefully... You know, having you on the podcast, hopefully that can help. Um, and is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners about New Light? Yeah, first of all, I begin by uh, thanking Tess Silverman for, <laughs> uh, you know, inviting me on this podcast and, and even thinking of me as a revolutionary woman because you that's are. what she calls all her guests. Uh, I'm a tad embarrassed to be called that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh! Um, Please don't. You uh, are you are so a revolutionary woman. Thank you, thank you, and then and uh, thank you, thanks to all the listeners for um, for their time, mm. um, because I know many people are going to be uh, curious now and interested. Uh, some of them inspired, some of them deeply touched, and uh, some of them just wondering. Uh, is it true what we just heard now that there are millions of girls who are trafficked and who are, who live in um, conditions of deep abuse mm-hmm. and how to help? Yeah. So 
Mm. Wow. I would uh, request people to go visit our website at www.neolightindia.org mm-hmm. and uh, and then to reach out and and to help. That would be amazing. Thank you for that. But I have one more question. So, if certainly, you, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? <laughs> I would say take more chances and uh, be ready for everything that life offers you because the lessons and the mysteries of life you can solve only when you're living those. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Ermi. Thank you for coming on the show. And you have, you really are, for me, you are my hero, you know, because you are such <laughs> you. a force to to be reckoned with and not even to be reckoned with but you are such a, an amazing illuminating force you know of of love and acceptance and just you know taking people in at whatever uh, i guess at, at whoever they are and and it's really a beautiful thing to see so thank you for coming over and I, I wish you so much luck, 20 more years of new light, or or hopefully not 20 more years, but I, I mean more, I guess, whatever whatever the future holds for you, I hope it continues, you know, in, in Thank your, you so much, Tess. In thank a beautiful you. way. I deeply appreciate, Aww. and thank you once again for having me on the show. Great. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. You too. Thank you. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Urmi Basu on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. <laughs>